This is the Forgotten Ways Podcast, the show where we explore what it looks like to both love God and honor the earth. Join me, Brandon Scott Elrod, in fun interviews with friends who are clergy, philosophers, politicians, business owners, and regular folks like you and me, who are all learning and growing in both our faith and our environmental stewardship. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'm joined today by my good friend, Matt Doan, who is the outreach pastor at Calvary Church of Santa Ana. Matt, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Uh, thanks for calling me your good friend as well, because I consider you a dear friend. Um, love and respect you a ton, and really excited to be on the show today. Well, thank you. We are discussing today the topic of environmentalism and evangelism and where the two coincide. Uh, For the longest time, it seems like Christians have had this reputation in culture where we are more against things than we are for. Uh, We are more known for what we are taking a stand against, what we're protesting, what we are retorting against, rather than what we are passionate about, what our heart is in, and what we are actively looking to to change the world with for, for the better. So... With my, my friend Matt here, who is, who's got a great heart for evangelism, I want to start with the basic question of what is evangelism? Yeah, the way that I would define it, and I think this is pretty biblical too, is that Jesus came, lived the life we couldn't live, Jesus died, shed his blood on the cross, and then Jesus rose again, that he uh, conquered death and, and overcame sin, and then whoever believes in him... Uh, places their faith in Jesus as their Savior and their leader, their Lord, um, has the washing and cleansing of their sins once and for all, and has the hope of eternal life. So that message, the gospel, Mm -hmm. you could kind of um, put it into that nutshell. Um, Sharing that with others is what I would define as evangelism. Now, there's some nuances in that, and we'll kind of get into that in our discussion. But I would say ultimately evangelism is conveying the good news of Jesus to another person. Okay. So is anyone exempt around the world, culturally, age-wise, era, anything? Is anyone exempt from that that passion, that desire to, to reach them? No, I, I don't think so. Anyone meaning believers or followers of Christ. Any human being. Right. Like, is there anybody question. exempt from that? Or is this just something that everybody is a recipient, everybody should receive of this good news? Yeah, I would say that... Jesus came and died for all, meaning Mm -hmm. that all have, or he has a desire for all to come to a knowledge of who he is Mm -hmm. and what he's done. So yeah, I don't think there'd be any exemption to that. Okay. All right. So this idea of how Christians have been caricatured or allowed themselves to be caricatured, um, and caricatured just simply being being made a, a, a cartoon of, you know, we are in a lot of ways in the media made this this extreme example of whatever right. of you know whatever they're they're wanting to portray us as and so this question of does that caricature affect our ability yeah. to speak into culture and to reach culture whether it's individuals one to one conversation or theoretically culture at large yeah. do you see that affecting our ability yeah absolutely i think we have to be so aware of even what the world is kind of proclaiming or telling us as we enter into conversations with the individual or, or with groups. So, for example, um, when it comes to creation care and the environment, uh, at least here in the West, that's really become a left or a right 
issue mm-hmm. on the political spectrum. And so Christians tend to, I know not all of us, but tend to be kind of lumped into the right side of the mm-hmm. political spectrum. Creation care, um, caring for the environment, tends to be lumped into the left side. And so right there you have these kind of this opposition that people put, um, Christians and those that maybe don't follow Christ, into opposing uh, camps. Um, Now, I was really sensitive to this because um, I think, as you know, I grew up in Santa Cruz, which is uh, on the central coast of here of California. And right. that's a beautiful spot. It's where right. the ocean meets the redwoods. Right. And banana slugs. <laughs> and then the UCSC banana slugs. Um, and a lot of people moved, including my parents, to that area because of the beauty of mm-hmm. the environment. Right. And so you have a lot of people that are super passionate about caring for creation and the mm-hmm. world that they live in. Um, and I grew up and my folks became believers um, when I was young and we went to a very conservative church. And so I even remember as a kid and as a teenager running into some of this tension mm-hmm. of Greenpeace workers knocking on our door and, mm-hmm. and inviting us to sign their latest petition to save the bay. Um, and then as Christians, my parents responding in one way or another. And so I, I remember even early on in my life with Jesus being like, oh, what are we supposed? Are, are we supposed to be enemies of each other? Interesting. And I don't think that needs to be the case, right? Right. right. <clears throat> but we have been segmented. It's been put upon us. Yeah. That you have to fall into one camp or another. Right. right. So if we are to take politics entirely out of it, which mm-hmm. I know is is difficult because sure. it's that is also being thrust upon mm-hmm. society as the great divider right. these days. Um, then what is your take on, from a Christian perspective, the idea of earning the right mm-hmm. to, to an audience, of yes. earning the right to uh-huh. be heard right. with another individual? Is that, is that even necessary? Mm-hmm. Or, or what's your take on that? Yeah, such a good question because maybe 50 years ago the idea of earning – a right to be heard wasn't necessarily considered mm-hmm. by um, people that followed Jesus because there was kind of like this underlying foundation. At least this is what I think. I don't. Yeah, I'm 44, so I'm <laughs> assuming uh, this is 50 years ago. Um, there was kind of this underlying foundation of like, oh, we all believe in a Judeo-Christian ethic. We all come from a place that we'd identify ourselves as as Christians, quote unquote, um, living in, in the West. Uh, that's totally changed now. So now we live in a post-Christian society. I don't mm-hmm. think you'd have to really do much convincing of any of us to believe that that's true mm-hmm. here in the West. Um, and so there's even mentioning the word that I'm a Christian comes with a lot of baggage in right. our culture. So you kind of ha- you have to overcome that. There has to be some common ground that you build. There has to be a sense that you have to earn your place at the table in order for people to hear you. Now, not everyone agrees with that or not everyone Mm -hmm. maybe even is sensitive to that. Some just think, oh, we just need to speak loudly and boldly um, and and have courage in sharing what we believe. Um, And there is sometimes, yeah, maybe that is an effective tactic. Um, And yet overall, in my experience, building a relationship, earning the right um, to share an opinion is huge, is huge in our culture. I don't know if you've seen the same thing in the places that you've walked. Sure, sure. And, and you know, for some, 
and I think you're you're right. You know, for the, the courage element is important. Context yeah. is important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes boldness is mm-hmm. is exactly what is um, required. But even looking at Jesus's example of yeah. the moments where he spoke boldly, yeah, the more the moments where he didn't mince words at mm-hmm. all, versus. The other scenarios where he approached with tenderness and where he met the person where they were at or he saw their need and he yeah. met the need. And so if we only pick one approach mm-hmm. because, hey, we, you know, Jesus did this. Right. Well, yeah, but he also employed a lot of other yeah. <laughs> really smart and genuine yeah. approaches just based on where people were at yeah. and how they could best receive mm-hmm. and what was going to make the biggest difference in their moment, in their situation right then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was words of truth to disrupt them. Yeah. Sometimes it was tenderness and provision. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that we are always or even normally mm-hmm. very sensitive or aware to those nuances. No, I, I don't think so. Um, and that's where it even comes back to creation care. We have this golden opportunity, in my opinion, to create common ground okay. with the secularist, um, the agnostic, the atheist, just based on looking at our environment and treating it with respect and care. I believe that can open a ton of doors that... Most of us, and I'm including myself in this. I don't want to just point at other Christians. Like I need to like look at myself on this too. But we're missing this incredible opportunity to earn the right to have a common ground, to have this platform to share, just by simply following what God says about caring for creation. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's kind of what I want to even get into today. Yeah. So, for for some of the Christians out there who still aren't convinced, mm-hmm. like why should why should I care? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the, either some of the reasons that you would project mm-hmm. biblically mm-hmm. as to why someone should care? Um, and beyond that, just some of the common sense, maybe not even biblical arguments, sure. just some common sense, yeah. love where you live kind of. Right. Uh, how would you win someone over? Yeah, maybe I'll even start with the common sense one, but... You know, Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, um, I became all things to all people in order to win some. Mm-hmm. And so he was looking at the culture of the first century Greco-Roman environment that he lived in. And he was saying, hey, I'm not going to compromise what I believe about Jesus or what God's told me in the scriptures. Yet I'm also going to contextualize to my culture. Mm-hmm. And even if the Bible said nothing about creation care, which, by the way, it does. A lot. But yeah. even if it said nothing, just by looking at our culture and seeing how so many people are concerned about the environment and wanting to improve and care for it, that alone should be a signal to us that have a heart for evangelism and talking to people about who Jesus is that we should care about that because yeah. others care about it. And yeah. so it just seems like in that way, it, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about other common sense uh, scenarios like yeah. the neighborhood you live in? What mm-hmm. the local issues that are going on? Right. Maybe it's it's water quality. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know... Mm-hmm. Air, air pollution. Maybe it's yeah. um, the the factory down the street that you know is is creating all kinds of a mess. Yeah. Um, what even about the value of local mm-hmm. awareness? Yeah. Is that something that that you see locally here that that we mm-hmm. could improve on? Yeah, I think so. Um, for a long time, uh, I I believe that we as Christians 
uh, have let our eschatology shape our, and I'll make up a word here, environmentology, (laughs) (laughs) meaning um, that our view of the fact that Jesus is going to come and rescue us from this Mm -hmm. world and take us out of this world, I think in a lot of ways has short-circuited and given us um, nearsightedness mm-hmm. in how to care for the creation around us. Thinking, oh, who cares? It's all going to burn anyway, right? Right. And yet, that's ignoring another biblical call, which is the idea in Matthew 22 that Jesus writes the great commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, by the way, God created (laughs) the world that we're living in. Right. Um, And the second half of that is love your neighbor as yourself. And so you can look at that geographically. You can look at that as people Mm group-wise. But let's just even take your question and look at geographically. So. Mm What does it mean to love my neighbor? I live here in Santa Ana, California. Mm -hmm. So what's it mean to love my neighbor here in Santa Ana? Well, number one, I should care about the things that my neighbor cares about Mm -hmm. um, as a way to show them love. Um, And also, I should love and care about the things that impact my neighborhood, um, both in positive and negative ways. So water quality would fall under that, right? For sure. So if something that was happening to my environment here in Santa Ana was impacting my neighbor in a negative way, I want to be able to speak out on that in a loving, gentle, but bold way as well as an act of love toward my neighbor and ultimately as an act of worship to my God, which says, love right. God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, that's a fascinating uh, point and, and really valuable. Um, that, and I, th- I don't know that many of us would actually go there without being led um, mm-hmm. in that thought process. I just read something very, very similar and supporting that thought um, by author um, Wendell Berry. Huh. And he's talking about how... So he's he's a product of rural America. Mm-hmm. He knows rural America. He's a farmer, isn't he? Farmland, yeah. yeah. And he's talking about how the Amish mm-hmm. are some of the best examples that he can think of of local environmental stewardship Hmm. because these concepts of environmental stewardship, of um, environmentalism, of climate change, these are all big, big concepts. And it's easy to, you know, be vocal, picket, all these things about this concept without actually making any difference whatsoever. Becoming personal, yeah, in your own world. So what you're talking about and what he's talking about are the making it personal part Mm And that the Amish, um, as people who love Jesus, Mm -hmm. are some of the best examples of this in particular because, one, they've they've kept their life simple. Yeah. But two, because they love their neighbor. Yes. And they love their neighbor well. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter who their neighbor is or what they believe, Mm -hmm. they love them well. And it's part of their their ideology to care for their neighbor. Yeah. Physically, hands-on. You need you need help harvesting your crop. You you're out sick. You're you're out of food. Whatever. Right. How can we How can we help? Yeah. And this idea of them loving the earth, honoring it, letting the earth rest mm-hmm. in their in their mm-hmm. agriculture, like all these biblical concepts, yeah. loving God, but the critical part of connecting with the their other. neighbor, yeah, the other, loving the other, and as to your point. If my neighbor really cares about this thing, mm-hmm. then maybe I should open my eyes. Yeah. Maybe I should talk with my neighbor. Maybe I should also care. Yeah. 
Let me give you a personal story yeah. of this, and it doesn't paint me in the best of light, but okay. Uh, that's okay. Uh, so here in Orange County or Santa Ana, uh, we had water restrictions right. for several years. In fact, right. I think they were just lifted in the last year or so. Right. Um, and so one of the stipulations was you only could um, water your front yard uh, a couple days a week at certain times. And just as a kind of rebellious, selfish man that I am, um, I just kind of got annoyed after that after a few years. And so um, one day in particular, I'm in my front yard and I'm watering. It's the middle of the day. It's not the day or the time to be doing this. Okay. I don't care. I'm just doing this. This is my domain. Yeah. No one's going to tell me what to do. So I'm watering uh, our grass, and a neighbor of mine drove by and honked and wa- wagged their finger <laughs> at me. <laughs> and it took me a minute to understand what they were doing. I, I didn't have like the concept. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, they're shaming me for watering at this time. So my first instinct, I would love to tell uh, all my friends listening right now that I instantly got my knees and repented. Right. No, instead, though, I just even got more angry. I was like, you know, how dare they have the audacity to tell me what to do on the property, the land that I rightfully worked hard to own. Yeah. But then the Holy Spirit came in. (laughs) And the Spirit of God just convicted me and said, Matt, your neighborhood knows it. Most of them know you're a follower of Jesus. Um, most of them know that you know the rules of this neighborhood. Here you are blatantly <laughs> in daylight disregarding those rules. Ultimately, you're hurting my name. Mm. And you're hurting the opportunity for my name to be known by others. Wow. And I was just super convicted in that moment um, of going, wow, I, I was just thinking of my own rights, so right, to speak. Right, right, right. So we're talking about earning the right to mm. be heard. I think part of earning the right to be heard and loving your neighbor and your neighborhood is giving up your own rights. Well, that's crazy talk, man. <laughs> it is, man. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. What red-blooded American is going to do that? That's never going to work. But you're right. Yeah. It's, it's my rights versus the right to have... Yeah. A voice to have influence to have, yeah, to create a winsome connection, yes, with someone else. That's that's a that's a great story. Yeah, and yeah, I wish it would have come to me immediately, but it was a lesson that the Lord had to walk me through, and honestly, He'll probably have to walk me through in, in another way at some point too. Well, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. I think that is probably the exact kind of scenario that every one of us has had mm-hmm. can relate with. Yeah. And probably, you know, how most of us probably have not responded well, mm-hmm. not heard, <laughs> not heard the, the conviction, not yeah. followed it. Sure. And, and how many of us have, have lost a little bit of opportunity? Yep. Or a yep. lot of opportunity? Yeah. It, it seems like a small thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, I was out there for five minutes, 10 right. minutes, just water my grass because everything's dying. Right. So I'm just trying to keep it alive. Yeah. I'm trying to be a good neighbor right, right. by making my front yard look better. You can make better. that argument, yes. You can make that argument. Yeah. And I've made that argument. Huh. i got to be a good neighbor and not embarrass yeah. my neighbors with my brown lawn. <laughs> but it, it is what it is. And so what, that small thing, mm-hmm. which I may be able to rationalize, someone else may be able mm-hmm. to process and go, okay, I get it. He's just being a good neighbor. Right. But how many people are actually 
observing you, observing yes. me, and going, wait a second. Yes. And they flip the switch. Yeah. Black and white. Yeah. Like they're out. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to a word this person has to say. They are now an opponent. Yep. And I think we're missing that as followers of Jesus. Yeah. That our lack of care for the environment and creation does communicate what you just said, and we don't even we have a blind spot there. For sure. And blind spot is one thing. How many of us are actually obstinate? Mm-hmm. How many of us are actually intentionally holding to that obstinate position of, I am going to be countercultural. I am going to stand out. I am going to not go with the grain because I don't want to be lumped in with the other side. Mm -hmm. This is my, this is my stand. Right. Right. So I don't think that's healthy either. No. Mm -mm. So the next question then for me would be when we take on these polarized positions for you know, topics in cultures, topics in society that are important, mm-hmm. that are in the news, that are getting a lot of airtime, and we're taking a really polarized view, extreme view, yeah. a contrarian view yeah. on things that are not necessarily sin issues, right? Moral issues, mm-hmm. but we're taking a hard line on everything just to oppose yeah. someone else. Then what what are we losing in that process? Yeah, I think we're losing um, the ability to be heard, right? So the whole hope in evangelism is that uh, people have ears to hear. Um, and ultimately, that is the Holy Spirit. I, so maybe we give ourselves too much credit either way, whether to offend or um, to build trust. I mean, ultimately, I think it's the Spirit that does the work. I mean, we'd both agree but that's the Spirit's one that saves. But even to open mm-hmm. the ears, Second Corinthians 4 talks about the God of this age, meaning Satan, has blinded the mind of unbelievers. So there has to be a, a supernatural thing yeah. that takes place for anyone to hear. But saying that, that kind of up front, I do believe that um, when we take such strong stances on things that are maybe secondary, even farther than that, outside issues, we can close people off towards hearing the best story, the best message, the best news that's ever been told, and that's yeah. the story of Jesus. So for the, for the person, that small group of Christians who doesn't even care what you're saying, they instead are taking the position that, nope, you just need to kick in doors and declare. Mm-hmm. Just kick in doors and put the truth out there, mm-hmm. and it's on the recipient. Mm-hmm. I've done my part. Mm-hmm. It's on the recipient to hear the message and respond to it or not. Yeah. I, I don't have any <laughs> responsibility in that process. Yeah. What would you say to that person in light of what you're sharing? Yeah. I just, I don't see that as being a biblical model for evangelism. Um, you do have, like we'd mentioned earlier, a guy like Paul who kind of relished the confrontational. I mean, getting mm-hmm. up at sure. Mars Hill and saying, you know, this is who the unknown God is. It's Jesus yeah. um, standing in Ephesus and basically causing a riot to happen. But ultimately, if you actually study what Paul said at Mars Hill or in Ephesus, he wasn't just saying things to get a rise out of people. Right. He was lovingly and painstakingly taking the opportunity to explain who Jesus was. And so I think this idea that confrontation um, means that we're, uh, you know, it's not on us or we've done our job. 
don't think that's in line with loving your neighbor. Right. It really isn't. Right. And so um, I think we have to take a different approach. I'd also ask, how's that going for you? Um, you know, how much fruit do you yeah, have to show for it? <laughs> right. Are, are 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 people pushing themselves away when when you bullhorn on Facebook? Are mm. people saying thank you for sharing this, uh-huh. or are you just causing fires to break out? Right. Right. Well, let's let's switch the the scenario a little bit and talk more about the the reality of a lot of Christians out there who are involved, who are making a difference, mm. um, but maybe they just don't. Maybe they don't want to brag. Mm-hmm. They don't want to toot their own horn. Mm-hmm. But they really care. Mm-hmm. They're really involved. Yeah. And they're doing something. Right. But yet nobody knows. Yeah. So how do we start bridging huh. that? And and if they're already doing the work, yeah. then how do we start connecting dots? Yeah. I guess one question would be for the church. Number right. two, for culture. Right. Without it being self-serving, sure. self-aggrandizing. Yeah. Right? Because that's, you know, what people are trying to avoid. Yeah. Where's the middle ground there? Yeah, I kind of hear your question in a couple different ways. Uh one is, I, I think creation care in a lot of ways has been deemed social gospel. Mm. Um, and in the church, traditionally, that's been kind of a negative word, at least in right. the circles I've run in. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think there's some who are doing some incredible work in creation care, but feel a little shy to proclaim it because they don't want to be lumped in with social you know, yeah. issues. Um, or they haven't been affirmed that that's okay, that's a path that you can take. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked offline that really the, the social gospel and the gospel of Jesus coming into our world are not diametrically opposed. They're actually in agreement and line up with each other. Right. It's a great commandment, great commission. Love your neighbor and then um, proclaim and bring disciples um, into our, go into the world and bring and make disciples. So uh, those two things go hand in hand. And so some, I think I've been a little shy to share that because of not sure how it's going to be received. The stigma of the, right. the, the term. Yeah. 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 Others maybe just don't, yeah, don't know how to describe the good things that they're involved in without making it feel like they're bragging or tooting their horn. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of fall in maybe to that second part of that question or that category because I know even here in our local church context, we have some really awesome things going on that I think the non-believing, skeptical world of Santa Ana needs to hear about. But there is like a little bit of tension, even in my own heart, of... Yeah. Well, how do we let people know that we care about the things they care about without mm-hmm. making it sound like we're just promoting ourselves? Right. And to your point, to your point, it it is so not publicized, <laughs> um, maybe for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. because you know some of these locations around the world where some of this work occurs yeah. are are hostile locations sure. where we have to be really sensitive to what kind of information we're putting out. Right. Um, but to your point, if you go currently on mm-hmm. our church website mm-hmm. and you'd start drilling down right. through the menu, through the menu, like, good luck. Mm-hmm. You're going to be there for a while mm-hmm. trying to locate any of, yeah. any example of right. this great work that's going on. Huh. Uh-huh. And to me, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. If we're already doing these amazing things, if we're already partnering with people around the world, yeah. if we're already empowering, if we're all these things, yeah. how 
how are people going to know? How can people join in? People yes. who are passionate that also want to serve in that. Yes. How are they going to know? So you just nailed something that I, you can see my face. I'm yeah, yeah, excited yeah. about this because I think a way that you um, move good deeds um, and even broadcast them mm-hmm. in a way that um, doesn't feel like it's self-promoting is to invite others into that. Okay. So it's not just uh, the local church. We're talking about local church, I guess, for our context here, but not just, hey, look at all the things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's look at all the things that we're doing that we invite you to participate in as well. Okay. Um, and so some of that can be belong even before you believe is, um, hey, you care about creation? Well, so do we. We're yeah. doing a beach cleanup yeah. next Saturday, and we'd love for you to come. You don't have to necessarily have the uh, name of our church branded onto your sleeve in order right. to be part of what we're doing. Right. Um, and so we've even seen that in our context here in, um, in Santa Ana. We did a thing called Love Santa Ana, mm-hmm. and it was about 10 churches that got together, and we just did neighborhood cleanups in some of the hardest neighborhoods of Santa Ana. And we invited uh, definitely our church folks to come, but what was really cool was seeing people just hearing about it in different ways and just saying, hey, can can I come? And going, of course. And then I'm almost <laughs> being like, well, I don't, I'm not part of the, the tribe. Come, we want you, we yeah. need you. And I think that's a great step towards someone seeing what the church has a heart for and and then eventually even believing. That's fantastic. That's, that's something that um, some years ago, Calvary did a local park cleanup yeah. over at Cabrillo Park. Right. And it wasn't to the same scale or anything like that. Yeah. It was just a small weekend thing, mm-hmm. but um, small ways of just showing that you care about mm-hmm. the the place you call home. Yeah. Um, and home is more than just your house. Mm-hmm. It's, it's some of the big areas, the big buckets of life where you yeah. spend a lot of time, where you invest, mm-hmm. where people pour into you. And so, yeah, to make a, a difference, just picking up trash, right? helping pull weeds, yeah. little basic things, um, I think can really communicate powerfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think even your statement of we need to show that more is is true in our church, but probably even just in church worldwide, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things, if, if we can ask, if we can reveal some of yeah. the, the ways that mm-hmm. Calvary Church Santa Ana is involved mm-hmm. in some of... The, uh, the social gospel, if you want to even go so far to use that term. Right. Yeah, so um, we've just had some great opportunities over the years to partner with incredible nonprofits that are doing real work um, around the world. So we've had a chance to partner with Wycliffe Bible Translators and building wells in different um Underdeveloped countries. These are water wells. Water wells, yeah. Um, that not oil wells. Those no. are different. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a different podcast. Yeah, um, but yeah, to build wells, and if you're not familiar with just, oh, everyone would understand. If you don't have water in right. your in your immediate area, you're going to have problems all over the place. Right. And so to be able to build wells to help sustain communities and not even take the women away for two to three hours to go get water and bring Mm -hmm. it back. And what that does to 
um, even the community um, to have water accessible is just a game changer. And so we've gotten to invest in financially with our dollars and with mm-hmm. our people um, into projects like that over the years here. And that's been it's been awesome. Mm-hmm. We've also gotten to do some things with um, even teaching farmers in undeveloped countries creation care. Okay. Um, the idea of how to cultivate your land, how to let it rest, how to let it replenish itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't use the entire land all at once, but you leave some areas to rest and then um, develop other areas and then switch from season to season. So that's had tremendous fruit too. So awesome. it's, it's the concept. I know it's kind of, maybe it's a, uh, a worn out concept, but you, know, you teach them a man to fish and they'll mm-hmm. be able to sustain themselves rather than just handing them a fish. Right. So, um, so we've been involved in some great projects like that. Um, even this is even outside Calvary, but my brother-in-law uh, serves in a Muslim country that's 90 or 99% Muslim. And he's teaching the people how to take their um, trash and develop it into biogas, which oh, they can fantastic. now yeah. transfer into um, propane mm-hmm. to heat their stove. So they don't having to pay mm-hmm. um, money they don't have to go buy propane down the local market. And, and it so, helps to solve some of the pollution yeah, problems. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So so there's some small ways that I think as a church, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say small, like there's pretty big ways right. that we've gotten to be involved in, in caring for environment and then translating that into actually helping people on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there are groups that focus on safeguarding mm-hmm. indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. And um, providing education mm-hmm. and safe passage and uh, to help prevent exploitation. Right. Um, there are certainly groups that focus on orphan care. Mm-hmm. Calvary's got a pretty extensive mm-hmm. involvement with, with orphan care around yep. the world. Yeah. Um, human trafficking. Yep. Uh, homeless outreach. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. these are all very social yeah. issues. Yeah, they're common ground that I think uh, no matter what someone believes— they understand that this, these are problems, obstacles in our society that are hurting the, 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 our world from flourishing. Right. And so to get involved as Christians is, is really a mandate that I believe we have as part of loving our neighbor. But it's also, I think, a great way to show the world that, boy, we care more than just having a transaction with you, like get you right. to believe what we believe. Right. But instead, no, we care for you. And then out of that, then that develops inroads to say... And this is ultimately the one who cares about you the most, which is, which is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with that, there's there's an important, um, you know, local element to that story as well. It's it's one thing, and it's a good thing, but it's one thing to to do something yeah. far away and right. disconnected, and there's. In some ways, it's easier, mm-hmm. right, to see a need out there and then just, this sounds a little crass, but just throw mm-hmm. dollars at it. Sure. Um, and I don't think that's what we're doing, but but is there a balance mm-hmm. of work locally? Yeah. Um, and you mentioned some of the, the outreach to Santa Ana and, right. you know, neighborhood cleanups and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, which is fantastic. That certainly would, would fit in that balance. I know something else that the the church is doing. Mm-hmm. We're on an 11 acre campus here. Right. Um, the church, as far as landscape maintenance has gone chemical free. Yeah. Uh, so there's no roundup. There's no mm-hmm. uh, glyphosate. There's no mm-hmm. chemicals going down on the ground. Yes. Um, not because we've picked a side, but because why not? Yeah. If there's any question, yep. 
And if we are viewing this place as holy ground yeah. and as a place that God himself designed yeah. to reflect his own characteristics mm-hmm. and heart, mm-hmm. then, yeah, why would I want to put anything that's even remotely questionable yeah. into the soil, onto mm-hmm. the plants? Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather treat this like it is a special place from yes. the ground up. Um, so there's that element. There's... Um, I know there's initiatives to cut down on on any gasoline product that's used here on campus. Uh So all the landscape equipment is Mm -hmm. battery-operated. And we're looking at at other ways, other ways we can sensibly move into stewardship Mm -hmm. right here on this plot of land where we we abide. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's that's not only helping the 11 acres of, of our church here, but... It's also helping our neighbors, right? It's helping sure. our, our surrounding neighbors around us and, and then communicating that that we do care about um, our land. And Sure. Because while we do have some commercial neighbors, we, we have a lot of residential we neighbors. We do, yep. And maybe the commercial ones don't care as much, but yeah. but the, the homeowners, yep. sure. Absolutely. They sure do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what other what other areas do you see as far as opportunity for Christians as we move more into environmental stewardship? Mm-hmm. How can we draw others into it, other Christians into it who haven't mm-hmm. yet been convinced, haven't yet mm-hmm. made made that decision? Where where are some some easy ways to to get on board? Yeah, I think um, first, I th- it's it's attitude. And heart. So, I think when you walk out of your local grocery store and there's a Greenpeace person asking you to sign mm-hmm. uh, their their um, initiative, rather than just dismissing them or even saying like, "Oh, I don't believe in what you're doing," which maybe we don't. I don't right. know. Sometimes, uh, it- yeah. But I think it's even just looking someone and providing dignity and going, "Wow, I appreciate that." Um, that you're caring, you're you're doing your best to care for the environment. It could mm-hmm. be in something as a sentence like that. Yeah. But looking at people with a different lens than either you're for me or you're against me or you're to the left or the right, but instead just when you see people caring for creation, appreciating that. Yeah. And thanking them for that. So I think that could be like an attitude or heart thing. Um, you know, you look in Genesis chapter two, and God gives humans um, the mandate, uh, the ability. Uh, the responsibility to cultivate, to mm-hmm. care for the earth. What's interesting is that some have read that to mean, okay, that means I can dominate the earth right. because it's not, you know, it's made for humans and humans, you know, um, are are ruling over it. But anytime you look in scripture at when someone's given um, the authority to rule, it's always done upside down in God's kingdom. Okay. It, meaning um, in our agnostic world, Power and rule is meant to. That means I get my opinion. I get to dominate you. Mm. But an upside down kingdom, as the scriptures unveil, it's to know I get to serve you. And so when we're called to cultivate and have dominion over the earth, it's we get to serve in a way mm. this asset, this stewardship yeah. opportunity. Um, in the same way that it says in marriage, you're to serve each other. I think in the same way we're called in, in our care of the environment to serve it. And so. Okay, how can we do that? Well, I think it's communicating to our fellow Christians, our friends, hey, let's brainstorm ways that we can serve creation 
Um, And that could be, we mentioned like beach cleanup or park day. I mean, it could be things like that. It could be simply just being a good steward of recycling Mm -hmm. and honoring that or not watering when the days you're not (laughs) supposed to be watering, not um, throwing your chemicals down the drain, um, that type of thing. Things that maybe no one else necessarily sees, right? but it's a way for you to be reminded, no, I'm I'm a servant leader over creation, so Mm -hmm. I'm called to lay down my rights uh, in that way. Um, But it it also could be, um, it's Earth Day, right? It's uh, in Mm -hmm. April or something. What What would it look like just to rally a bunch of friends together and do a project together Um, Mm -hmm. and even just talk about it uh, outside of your circle to say, as Christians, we're called to care. So those are things that come off the top of my head. I know you've thought about this probably longer than I have. So ideas that pop in your mind as well. Yeah, I I think... I always go back to what has been effective for me, and so I kind of project onto others, but the idea of permissions, Mm -hmm. that even just in talking about this, that Mm -hmm. there's a, that we're bringing it to light. Mm -hmm. Um, And in doing so, in talking through it biblically, Mm -hmm. and looking at the themes of scripture that honor and support God and God's design, and his perspective towards what he has made. Um, that there's permission in that. Mm-hmm. So theologically, there's there's permission in sharing what Calvary Church is involved in around the world mm-hmm. and these different projects and you know, yeah. clean water and all this. Um, there's permission in that. There's invitation in that, as you said. Um, and then I think one of the permissions that I keep coming back to is uh, sort of what you were talking about when nobody's looking. Mm-hmm. And the permission being, pick pick one thing. Mm-hmm. What's one thing you can do? Yeah. And um, yeah, in in water restrictions, you know, maybe it's upping the game. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to be even more thoughtful and save even more water than mm-hmm. they're asking. Um, I'm going to replace my lawn because mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing that money, that water <laughs> money cost, whatever, go right. down the drain. Yeah. Um, who knows? You know, for, for some, it's it's the, the re- replacing Ziploc bags right. with the reusable yeah. um, containers so that they're they're not wasting, mm-hmm. um, creating more trash. Mm-hmm. You know? So we, we keep coming back to this, this topic of pick something small, right. pick something easy, pick something that's already yeah. on your radar. Right. And, and run with that. Yeah. A couple of things even hit yeah. me, too, is <laughs> here in California. I don't know if you have this in all your states that are listening, but um, we now have to pay $0.10 cents, oh, right. uh, to purchase a bag at the grocery store. Yeah. And um, a little more insight into my life. Um, I have a wonderful stack of um, grocery bags, reusable bags that sit um, next to our um, washer and dryer. And the goal is every time we go to the store, I grab that bag and, and bring it with me. And... Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, I forget it. <laughs> and so we go through the line and have all this, these groceries. And I'm a pastor, and so I'm cheap. Um, and that's not always the case, but for me it is. And so I don't want to pay the ten cents to get four or five bags. Yeah. And so I end up throwing everything back in my cart and wheeling it to the parking lot. And to be honest, kind of like complaining in my head about it. Like, this sure. is such a stupid rule. I can't believe I live in a state that pay, you know, have to pay money for this. Yeah. What if, and I'm speaking to myself, what if that became that walk out to your car became a time to pray? Time to pray that God soften and break my heart mm. for creation mm-hmm. and for being a steward of this world. 
And just that simple, what, 30-step right. um, from the from the grocery aisle to the parking lot? Yeah. Or what would it look like just to pick up trash as you do your normal walk from your car into your office? Mm-hmm. And just to look. So many times we see something on the ground, we go, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Mm-hmm. Or it's someone else's problem. What would it look like just to pause, to reach down, but then pray? So connect it to mm-hmm. our relationship with like God. That with a simple task of just picking up a piece of trash. Yeah. Um, now, this is something that we talk talk a lot about in evangelism circles here, but sometimes I think we can do simple things and think that lets off the hook <laughs> for bigger things. In other words, like, oh, I recycle, so therefore I can, like, yeah. you know, not care about global warming or I don't know, whatever the yeah. um, situation is. I don't think that lets us off the hook, but it's just a small step, like you're saying, to be reminded and to have our hearts softened mm-hmm. that God cares for the world. I like that. That's I think that's a great place to land on for, for this podcast. Um, kind of close the loop. And as we are starting to participate in these small ways, to, to join the Lord in it. If we, if we can acknowledge that this is something that He does care about, that he gave us something really special in this earth that we, more than anyone else, believe that it is special because he made it. Mm-hmm. It's his product. It, ref- it reflects his goodness yeah. and his attributes. Then wouldn't we care more than anybody else? Yes. Based yeah. on that logic alone. Yes. Shouldn't we care more than anybody else? Yes. <laughs> so if we are engaging in these small ways mm-hmm. in something that would honor God, mm-hmm. then yeah. Meditate in that process, pray in that process, invite him, include him in that process, and kind of close that loop and make mm-hmm. it make it a, a special thing. Yeah, I and, like that. Um, there is a sense too that um, as we show faithfulness with small things, we're given bigger opportunities too. So maybe yeah. the faithfulness of caring for creation will actually open the opportunity for. I think for me, I've. The gift of evangelism, I, there's nothing more that I live for than to see someone come to know Jesus. So mm-hmm. if I'm faithful with small things, maybe he'll open up doors yeah. for me to actually share the great news of salvation with someone too. Well, I think that is precisely the point of this entire conversation. Uh, and the more that we can align with him and his heart and his priorities and engage with it, that that he will give us more fruit and more opportunity. So. Thank you very much, Matt, for joining us today. And uh, we love having you on here. We'd love to do this again sometime. That'd be great. Thanks, Brandon. You've been listening to the Forgotten Ways podcast with Brandon Scott Elrod. To find out more, visit ForgottenWays.org. Join us next time as we once again explore what it can look like to love God and respect the earth, beginning with our own heads, hearts, and homes.